Hello and welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. I'm here with Josh Olsewich, who's not introducing the show this time, but that's okay. Hey, Josh. Mr. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, IchiCast had one episode. Um, it was a good episode, but I guess we're back to old, boring LedgerCast for a while now. Uh, until we find a better name. If anybody has new name submissions for the podcast, you're welcome to send them in, although Josh assures me that he was joking. For some reason, your audio just went to trash. We might have to re-record this. No, our recording will be fine because we're recording it directly into my hardware devices. So it's just the recording that you see on Zoom, which you should short Zoom. So Okay, my bad. It should be fine for everyone else. DeFi cast. Josh would leave the podcast if it was DeFi cast. I would have to find a new residence, I think. (laughs) A new residence for your audio contributions. That's right. Uh, Man, tell you what, the old corn, it went and it broke $20,000. And uh, we were were a little dicey last week. We were like, it has to bounce now, and then it it bounced. Uh, So we didn't play out the double top. Adam and Eve, what do you whatever, whatever you want to call it? We we're sitting around seventeen seven when we had the show, and uh, if you longed the show and stayed long, you made a lot of money. Um, if you did nothing like me, you made you made significantly less money. Significantly less, but um, still plenty because you know, as we were just talking about, you're still spot long when you're in a Bitcoin bull market. You still stay spot long. If if you're above ground, if you are a breathing <laughs> human being, you are permanently spot long in my in my eyes. There's there's really almost no reason to ever get out of coin. Because if you do, you're paying taxes, you have to send coins to an exchange or meet somebody in a Walmart parking lot. Like there's no good reason to go to cash, right? There's just none. I'm sorry. There's just there just isn't. Up and to the right, up only. Well, this I mean, this isn't top bull market things. This is just like a life philosophy here. I'm just laying out, you know. It did go down seventy percent or something in the bear market. So yeah, well, you know what? I was there one eighty buying. So I've you know I've seen worse. Okay, yeah, you, we were we were we were on the verge of a failed experiment, Brian. Yeah. So where, where was the sailors of the world then? You know, where was the sailor moons at that time? They weren't here. So it looks Some like top were. to bottom, it was actually about eighty three to eight or eighty four percent from twenty k down to thirty one hundred. Uh, now we just spent two daily in a row going up about three thousand dollars each day. So um, it certainly puts bear markets into perspective for me. You know, like it's like just that's why. Yeah, I mean, we've talked. We talked about this probably months ago, maybe. But when people are talking about um, being short versus long, it's like the short side is what eighty uh, percent there, seventy percent there, and like the upside is you know in the tens of thousands. <laughs> it's like the the path is obvious, right? Yeah, but it's hard to imagine multiples. You know, like when you're when you're, when you're living, the, when, when you're, you're in the dumps, you're like, "Will we ever have an all-time high again?" And then, what's the target potential from there? And you know, now no, we're getting it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Yeah, now everybody's talking like we could hit four hundred thousand in gold parity, and you're like, "What?" <laughs> you know, like, but people were people were people were saying that stuff in 2013, 2015. People were always that that sort of moonshot narrative is always there. It's just about the belief in perspective, you know, it was there in March. It was there in January, 2019. It was certainly there in December, 2014. Trust me. Uh, there, these, these types of predictions. Uh, it, I think what it indicates for me is looking, looking back, it's if you believe in the fundamental thesis of Bitcoin, that it's not going to die and that it'll have new cycles. The obvious play is to try to accumulate as much Bitcoin as possible through multiple methods right dollar cost averaging with new funds if you have them and then every trade being uh geared towards increasing your bitcoin rather than focusing only on the usd values which can be hard to do when you're you know you're sitting there say mid 2018 when we're sitting at 6k we break down you capitulate you know because you go to 4k or whatever and uh a lot of people did that. We lost a lot of lost a lot of folks in that time. Yeah, I mean, I would have been better off 
selling, even selling as late as November 2018 and rebuying. I would have been better off doing that. I'm not saying that's what I did, but you know, cash um, BTC wise, people just for the people who weren't here in the pre-show talking about if I ever get out of a spot position. Um, I don't, but um, anyway, yeah, last week we were bearish. Last week I was bearish because it didn't look so hot. And then literally the weekend, we had a weekend party shortly thereafter. And uh, just that was the rocket ship fuel that we needed, I guess, right? To uh, break higher highs, break all-time highs. Yeah, I mean, it, it was literally the moment our, our show ended. It just wanted to show us up yeah. as hard as it could. Well, I mean, it was. It it's hard to say exactly like this is this is where you want to go margin long or whatever. It was due. Uh, it would have been totally reasonable if it kept going down and we went to 15, 16 K totally reasonable to do that. Um, it took what we called kind of the Omega bull scenario of quickly going up, consolidating higher at the ceiling and then just breaking right on up. And we, we said, if that happens, that's, that's Omega bull. Well, we went from 19.5, which is the level that we talked about, to 23,000. Um, and we also went straight to the yearly pivot, the R3 yearly pivot that we had talked about on the show, drilled right into it, if you see that there. I love pivots. There's nothing in this realm I love more than pivots, honestly. Yeah. They're so, they're so simple. Why don't we talk about them a little bit? Because, you know, we've mentioned it some, but some some of our listeners may not know what what makes a yearly pivot why etc but just looking at this chart you can see how they were important levels multiple times over the past couple of years and have been in the past as well um so you are looking up baby pips right now for what how to calculate a pivot but i was going to say we can actually cheat what we think the pivots are going to be next year by Oh, you can put them. the in, do the endpoints. Yeah. So for people listening, the pivot price, the pivot levels for next year, based on the highs and lows of the previous year, along with the yearly close. So if we close the year at twenty three k, that'll be the P line, um, and then the the highs and lows will be extrapolated out from that. So Josh, if you do uh, forty, if you want to do the calculation, yeah, go for it. If you do. Uh, do thirty six hundred for the low, or is it a closing price? Uh, whatever. And Just then do twenty twenty three seven for the high, and the yearly open, the prior yearly open, or the next yearly open. Let's say we open. Let's say we close. Oh, it was this yearly open? Twenty twenty's yearly open now. Uh, does it have a close on there? Yeah. Oh, okay. So right. January first, December thirty first, whatever. Yeah, so twelve nine forty five. No, that was the R one. I'm sorry, eighty one thirty seven was the yearly open for twenty twenty. Okay. And then the close. Let's say it's twenty two thousand. Just made that up, but so we stay up here somewhere. So this would calculate what it'll be for next year. Correct. Yeah. All right. So the. 1629 3649 basically. So the R2 would be 36k and the R3 would be 50k. I like it. Yeah. Um, Looks good. And there's a there's a minor there's a basic formula and there's multiple ways to do pivots, but there's a basic formula for how those are done. But it's basically it's extrapolating what those levels should be and kind of like standard deviations away from the opening and closing price and yeah anyway they're useful legacy markets they play pretty well as well and you can do monthly pivots and stuff but the yearly pivots are always targets to watch out for so that's where i got that 23k resistance from and lo and behold that's where we really found our first uh first resistance in all this action uh, that we've had since 20k they're just so elegant and simple and non-subjective, you know? Yeah. Let me show the it's low weird. time frame of that for people at home. I mean, you it's can just see weird that the price even cares about, the, you know, math stuff. I don't know. It's just TA, right? But yeah. um, this is the most mystifying to me because it is, <laughs> it prints January 1st, you know? Yeah. 
And then it's applicable <clears throat> all year. And then it most of the time actually works. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It's just weird, right? It's like voodoo yeah. for anybody who doesn't believe in TA. Um, I don't know. It's weird. That's all I'm saying. Nature's math. Nature's um, math, I guess. I guess you could say that. So um, we hit the we hit the okay, we broke the highs. Here's our target. When I talked about twenty three K as my two week target, we hit it in twenty four hours. <laughs> so now I'm left wondering like, okay, what do we do from here? Um we're sitting here painting a bull flag on low time frames, going into yet another weekend, which we used as our reason to pump last time. Uh we just closed a quad wishing and legacy markets, which uh, coincides with Tesla going into the S&P 500, and it's going to be the sixth largest company in the S&P 500. So they had to sell quite a bit of the other uh, 499 companies in order to fit Tesla, so it caused a little bit of funkiness in that market today. Um, The dollar is bear flagging, I guess, Uh, even at these crappy levels. It could break down further. So we just hit a level that I thought was important, but we also, it kind of makes me think we could just melt up more. <laughs> you I, don't, know? I don't know if the dollar is tradable in technicals, like low time frame technicals, honestly. You don't think so? I feel like, I feel like it's just so event, event and news driven. Like there's clearly a bear trend. It's clearly oversold. The market could care less. It's just like, it's going to zero. You know, <laughs> like that's the mindset of people right now. I said yesterday, like, we were talking about 88. We've been talking about 88 for a long, long time. But uh, if, like, let's say it breaks through 88, which we mentioned a few times then already. It's 80. Like, man, like, this BTC could go to the levels just, you know, by default that are just insane. Right? Yeah. Bitcoin to six figures, you know, 60, well, let's say 60K, maybe first, tripling. That coincides with the Dixie going to 80 to me. Like, just by by nature, like you said, like people buying into the long term trend. At some time, you know, we talked about the Dixie breaking down from this is a weekly chart now, this multi month uh, bearish continuation pattern. It did it, and now we've had four straight weeks of down, looking like we might have a fifth. And if it breaks through that, it's going to need some time to chill at some point. Like this thing spends multiple years going sideways at times. Yeah, so, I doubt. I doubt it breaks 88 on the first try. Right. You know? That's kind of what I'm getting at. I feel like when we yeah. get to 88, 89, I feel like we're going to pause. Maybe we spend like a quarter, maybe two quarters, kind of s- sitting in sideways land there. Um, but it certainly seems like it's pricing in uh, stimulus or whatever else you want to call it. All of this is super bullish for Bitcoin. Sets up a macro cycle for Bitcoin to be able to do a lot. And if it breaks below 89 which it paused at in 2018, goes back to the 2014 levels of 80. That's that's our narrative for much more, you know, much, much more. Yeah, that's um, that's the narrative for stuff I don't think anybody's prepared for. Right. You know, I don't want to know. I don't want to want to know what the, uh, the country is going to look like when we're back below 88, really, you know. Yeah. We're going to see some inflation stuff, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know this stuff. Here's, I'm just a guy who trades in his mom's basement, okay? What do I know? <laughs> well, here's one fun level to look at. The bottom in 2018 was the 200-month moving average, which is now down at 86.86. So let's, let's just call it 86. And that coincides with a level that it topped at twice in the great recession and then the retest of 2010 um, with the dollar when it found weakness twice. Um, So there might be some hidden support at like 86 after 89. And if it fails that, I mean, it goes back to the nineties, that 80 level. (laughs) It was the bottom in 1991, 92, 95 before it went on a huge bull market up to 120 in 2001 so 80 is a massive level massive so i feel like our bull market 
is probably going to rest in the hands of this journey from 90 to 80. If I'm trying to align mega macro technicals of the dollar with Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a chance to do well even without the dollar going to crap, but the likelihood is the dollar going to crap. I think even more important than the obvious like mathematical correlation right now is people are seeing it and talking about it. Like I see more and more Dixie versus BTC conversation. I actually see that more than the Tether and BTC price mark conversation now. So that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it's that, a worthy conversation. I mean, to go back, the uh, huge move that it had down, um, the, the Dixie, started january 2017 well guess what that was the last time we started a massive bull market and new highs on bitcoin and when it finished was january 2018 when we started a a bear market so our last couple of cycles have coincided with the the macro cycle for the dollar um and i don't think it's coincidence that it's doing so again so i agree food for thought there 1.8% 1.8% inflation, you know, all that other stuff. That's good for for BTC. Yeah, I think we're on the right side of this trade for sure. And the, the right uh, side. you know, the legacy investors too, they, they can't not talk about Bitcoin. Every podcast I listen to that's talking about macro stuff is talking about Bitcoin. And they're talking about it as a gold replacement, as a gold additive, as a uh, uncorrelated asset. Bitcoin is in the big leagues. That was a podcast title sometime in the last year since we bottomed. But it's true, you know, we're in the we're in the conversation with macro assets of the world. And yet, if it reaches its potential, we're still several multiples below where it should be priced in order to matter, right? It's still or <laughs> we're still early uh if we fulfill the macro dreams that are looking more and more realistic as we have things like what happened this week where some fund was like, oh, yeah, we have $700 million in Bitcoin. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, not only that, but they bought in November. Yeah. <laughs> they just they just got in. <laughs> yeah, they just bought. They were like, new all-time highs, bull market, let's go. And we're sitting here thinking, like, this is awesome. We're on the moon. But we're just on the launch pad in that Josh is bearish. conversation. We're like, oh, it's going to mean revert for sure. Meanwhile, this uh, these funds are t-wapping, v-wapping in. Yeah, like it's like it's they're buying they're 10X. buying the dips, and I think there's an argument that we can make that they're going to continue to buy the dips. I tweeted a poll uh, several weeks ago asking before we had the fifteen or seventeen percent dip, whatever we got there, and I was asking like, okay, do y'all think we're going to have smaller dips, maybe an average of fifteen to twenty percent instead of an average of twenty five to thirty percent? Because these types of investors, they know they want their allocation, so they'll just start buying the dips sooner. And so far, we see evidence of that. And I'm curious if that will maintain through this cycle where, you know, your Bitcoiners and your crypto folks are like, yeah, we're going to get 35% dips or whatever. And then they just – it never happens, and then they suddenly get chased much quicker, you know. So they're, they're more like quick V-shaped 15% dips instead of – uh two or three week 30, 35% dips. Yeah, I mean, we saw, I mean, we saw in March what we saw in March though. Who was here in March, you know, people I weren't guess, here in March. And plus that was a liquidity event for the whole market, which that'll maintain that that'll continue to be a risk for Bitcoin as well. Like if the whole market does something, anything like it did in March, it could do that again. That was, um, you know, BitMac, if <laughs> BitMac's a, on Bitmax specifically, probably it's Bitcoin wanted to go to zero on Bitmax and almost did. Um, Bitmax is less of a thing now. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know where were they in March? Right? I, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it was Mar- it was the opposite. It was Treasury selling in March. Like they weren't buying, right? Yeah. It was. Um, I mean that, but that was a a worldwide liquidity event. You know, you yeah, I agree. Indexes. I agree. They all did that. A uh, a force majeure <laughs> type of situation with the coronavirus. Um, 
And well, what's to say that's not gonna that can't happen again? Yeah, not that's that not that that's what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think it'll look the same if it even if it does happen again. But as an example, we could have a continued recession or you know like more long term effects start to come out. One of the differences I see is it looks like the Fed and the incoming administration will be very prepared to spend lots and lots of money. So I don't know that it'll look the same as you know these traditional contracting economies and i feel like it's it would make a dip worth buying as much as anything else yeah um i'm just concerned just as i was for the east ico treasuries if all these corporate treasuries like on the way up it feels great but on the way down it doesn't feel so great (laughs) naturally i don't i don't know like realistically what their their time horizons are, their targets are. I assume, I assume it's five years, right? Like, I don't know, five to 10 years. I think for a lot of them, I think some of these hedge funds, <clears throat> especially the earlier ones, you know, hedge funds like to capitalize on their wins in Q4. So if someone's sitting on a 100% gain in Bitcoin and they're here in the last week, they're like, they might say, you know what, I'm going to take this profit, book it for my investors, show it in my reports and that way i don't have as many requests to withdraw my funds you know um because it's all about booking those wins in q4 people more interested in the tax side of things are probably going to hold until january but i do think there's going to be a time for mean reversion and i've i'm pulling this up again because it's worth continuing to talk about this parabolic advance that we began in july um is for 33k by may and we're well ahead of it well ahead of it we pointed at this potential ascending triangle that ascending triangle could have gone until the end of the year and we broke out of it early so like everything's going really really fast so we have time to come back down and to retest and retrace and go sideways and still hit 30k plus before the summer easy based on this this line that i'm showing so there's there's time to cool down, but the the hard part is deciding like okay I'm actually going to take profit or I'm going to short, and I don't think that's really the way to look at it. Like we talked about with whether you hold spot Bitcoin, I think it's like be satisfied in your spot positioning, and then if you have a portion of your fund that's uh, you know designed to take advantage of buying dips, whether in an altcoin or Bitcoin, maybe you have a small amount of you know fund cash that. You try to time for for market, you know, market participation to go margin long to buy a dip on spot to buy an altcoin, whatever it is. So I think you can take some profit for in that regard, but I I can't imagine a scenario why I would want to say like go hundred percent cash because I think we went too fast or whatever because we could go we could go to twenty seven or twenty eight k in the next two weeks and it's not going to shock anybody, you know, it'd be stunning yeah. but not shocking. That, if that makes uh, sense with the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's coming from somebody who's been here in 2013 and 2017. I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to anything. In, no, but no, I was just going to say, like, anything is possible, like the speed at which once the market decides there's one direction, um, the speed at which that can happen is breathtaking, you know? Yeah. Just, a, a 10% daily candle now is $2,300. Uh, yeah. If it goes up twenty three hundred dollars, a ten percent daily candle after that is twenty five hundred dollars. That's how markets go parabolic. Um, so three big days, and you're at thirty k. We uh, the uh, mainstream media can't, like you're saying, can't stop talking about Bitcoin right now. You know, I, I see a MSNBC or CNBC clip, whatever it is, <clears throat> every other every other hour about somebody asking somebody about the, their price target for Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. I don't have uh, SKU open right now, but something that I found stunning looking at Twitter was that the most active call strike right now for Bitcoin is the end of January 30K. Uh, <laughs> that's a quick mover. And what can happen, uh, Suzu talked about the gamma implications. And I don't know if anybody knows the way the Greeks work in options, but um gamma essentially creates this breaching level to where your people who want to stay delta neutral they have to offset something so if they're selling those 30k calls 
they also have to long Bitcoin. So they're buying at the same time as they're selling those calls to other people. And essentially that's forcing the price to go up. And if your call skew remains that way, these same people that are staying delta neutral are constantly buying futures in order to stay delta neutral while they're uh, selling those 30K calls or whatever else it is. So if there's a whole bunch of 30K calls being weighing the options market that direction, it's forcing those people to those market makers to uh, buy 30 or buy futures to offset that and maintain a, a neutral market outlook. But at the same time, they're forcing the market up. Um, so Suzu is saying he thinks that there's going to be gamma implications from that, meaning it's going to force continue to force the market up as more and more attention draws to those 30K strikes. And if we, you know, get closer and closer to those 30K strikes, the more uh, interested people will be in those 30K strikes. And it's like all of a sudden you magnet to 30K. Um, that's pretty extreme. Like it's not necessary that it goes all the way. But it can it can draw us up quicker and make the market move quicker than we anticipated because of those types of effects from market makers and uh, options markets and stuff that wasn't very mature in previous market cycles. Yeah, what would interest? It's a big deal for sure. I mean, have you seen that Bitfinex open interest on Ethereum on ETH? On ETH, sorry, on ETH, it's, it's like two billion dollars or something. It's. Uh, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's like 1.65 or something. I don't know. Yeah, which terrifies me. Um, our friend Johnny Mo mentioned a uh, a parabolic advance that was shaping up on Ethereum. So I drew that out going back to September. And we just broke out of an ascending triangle. Uh, and it looks like a retest, although it, that move up to 720 was a little scary. Um, and if we keep following that line, Ethereum could make all-time highs. And guess what, Josh? Q1, your favorite Ethereum quarter. Um, if we follow along this this same parabola, it'd take us to thirteen or fourteen hundred by the end of February. Yeah, I think if it if it does that, it does that like because Bitcoin does something crazy. I don't think it's going to do that on its own. Well, if Bitcoin goes to thirty k, Ethereum could go to twelve hundred. Yeah, it's just like it's just going to follow along. It's not going to. I don't see it leading. I don't see it outperforming. Why, um, why not? Why? Why not? Not in the near term. It's you, it's underperformed quite handedly over the past two weeks, right? Yeah, but it overperformed in a big way, you know, in July and August. Um, on a weekly chart, I know you you think it's bearish because you think it could break through this level, but. The point stands. It's still it's at supports essentially between like point oh two five to point oh two eight or so, and it it's hit that on the current weekly. And I think it could you can make a case for it making a right shoulder of uh, inverse head and shoulders. Um, yeah, I I like the macro inverse head and shoulders possibility. I also like the micro. Inverted cup and handle bearish reversal situation. Um, I just don't think the narrative for ETH is there right now. You know, no one. <laughs> we're not seeing institutions coming on CNBC saying they bought millions of dollars of ETH, right? Didn't so, one of them? One of the ones that just announced a Bitcoin allocation. I think they also at least bought some Ethereum. Okay, well, according to the Bankless podcast, which I was listening to this week. In any case, um, most of them aren't saying they bought. You know, ETH. Most, yeah, it's certainly I think not the eyes right now. Right now, I think the eyes are on BTC. That's going to shift and change and adjust uh, as time goes on, and people start taking profit and rotating and other stuff. But, but we are starting um, to see retail come back. Um, you know, my dad texted me and he was like, "I should have listened." <laughs> uh, you know, you start to get some friend messages. I've seen a lot more like screenshots from people in Telegram where their friends texted them and they were like, "Hey, what do you think about XRP?" And <laughs> you know, like. Uh, Retail retail is not going to go straight to straight to Bitcoin. They're going to be looking much more at altcoins, whether you like it or not. And um, no, and that's that's always the case. That's always going to be the case because of the integer bias and not understanding. I can buy 0.01 BTC versus ten thousand Ripple or whatever. But um, the people who know better are obviously going to gravitate towards BTC, regardless. You know, they're they're it's the people who don't care about price. The people who are here for the hedging out of 
the U.S. dollar death or whatever, or insurance against insanity, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that buying demand is going to outweigh any ETH, anything in the, in the near term. Yeah, We'll see what happens in Q2 next year when I think ETH should do extremely well. Um, I just don't think, I don't think right now we're going to see all-time highs on ETH by the, you know, maybe beginning of Q2 or something. I don't know. Just throwing yeah, something out I there. I do think but. all-time highs on Ethereum are within the realm of uh, probabilities now more than possibilities, whereas I was having a hard time picturing ETH to get to 1400 or whatever the all-time high is. Um, and I think that we'll start to, we will see opportunity for that. You know, uh, we didn't bring it up at the top of the show, but we should have. If people do want to buy altcoins, they should be doing it at Matcha, and they can go to ledgerstatus.com slash Matcha to do so. M-A-T-C-H-A. You know what? You keep your custody of your coins, and um, it's a fantastic DeFi trading interface, and they pool liquidity from multiple sources. They're an aggregator and a great trading experience built by the fine folks at Zero X. The way that I trade when I'm capitulating altcoins while Bitcoin is going parabolic uh, or if I'm looking to get a little sneaky and, and buy some altcoin dips after I think Bitcoin has had its run, I'm going to make those trades with Matcha. Been doing it for months. They're a great partner, and everybody should try it. Ledgerstatus.com slash Matcha. If you're just going straight to Uniswap or straight to Sushi, you're doing it wrong because they pull from all of them to make sure that you get the best prices. So go to Ledgerstatus.com slash Matcha and uh, enjoy your trading. And for the person in the stream chat, uh, I did not memorize it. I wing it every time, but I use. <laughs> I was gonna say, I use. He doesn't even have a paragraph. I have no paragraphs. I have no notes. I just talk about <laughs> stuff I like. How about them apples? Uh, How about them apples? But yeah, they also have limit orders now, so you can set your take profits for your moon missions. It's good stuff. Mach is what? building a lot of good stuff, and we're happy to have them on as a partner. So uh, I. I am long Ethereum right now, Josh. <laughs> uh, I'm even a little bit long Ethereum relative to Bitcoin um, as of last night, mostly as a method of increasing my position sizing. Um, so I'm long versus the dollar. I'm long versus Bitcoin. And I'm in on this ascending triangle retest idea, Adam and Eve retest idea whatever you want to call it, I look here and it looks to me like Ethereum is flagging just above the breakout level. So it lagged because Bitcoin broke out and went ham and Ethereum broke out and just stopped. <laughs> so like Bitcoin goes $3,000 and you know Ethereum goes a couple of percent above its breakout triangle. Both look like we're going to get movement right after the podcast again and make us sound silly inside 24 hours. Um but I do, I do feel like Ethereum can play some catch up if it really tries hard. And I, I still have this eight hundred dollar target of ours, which is the measured move from the the triangle breakout. Um, that would go to eight hundred dollars, seven eighty nine, that we talked about weeks and weeks ago. So the percentage of move that you get between here and the target is twenty one percent. So what do you have? Bitcoin has to go. A lot to go 21%. It has to go to 20, 28K to get to that same level. So that's part of my justification for why I think Ethereum can outperform here if it con- continues to go up. What do you think about a, the time component with the uh, CME ETH futures being opened? So in for BTC in 2018, that was kind of like the top. The top. Yeah. Uh, I think it's February 18th, they said the CME. Um, Futures are. You said February eighteenth. February eighteenth, uh, twenty twenty one. I guess it depends. Are we gonna if we pump into it? Maybe that'll be a top. Um, it's a long time between now and then, though. So it kind of depends on the sentiment. I'm I'm long biased all of twenty twenty one. You know, so I I feel like everything is bullish. Whether it can outperform Bitcoin is much more nuanced discussion because I want to maximize my Bitcoin. But if you're just looking at things in a USD sense, then I don't think it necessarily has to mark some kind of top. Uh, but if it, you know, if it's at like making an all-time high around that point, then it might be a little dicier, right? Than if it was still lagging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Josh, we can't get far without at least mentioning this news, and we'll speculate on why they just made the decision. But uh, Coinbase filed a, uh, or they filed an S one, which is their essentially their summary of information and proposal to go public to the SEC. But they kept it confidential, which is an option that you have when you file. But keeping it confidential usually means no one knows you filed the S one. Coinbase wrote a blog post and said we filed an S one, but we're not telling you what was in it. <laughs> so it's like well, I don't I was... understand all that, but I don't know why they did that. Like, why do you make it confidential if their numbers are going to be public when they go public? It makes no sense to me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, they announced it one day after Bitcoin topped twenty k, and there's no chance in in my mind that they didn't have that sitting in their pocket waiting for Bitcoin to make this move to time the release of their IPO. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. For sure. Um, I don't know if we talked, I feel like we talked about this months ago about the IPO, but them, them pulling the whole, like, you can't talk about politics at work thing and you can leave if you want. They were making all the preparations to go public. Yeah. But we had talked about Coinbase IPO, like maybe even years ago at this point. I don't know. Yeah, because who knows? A, who cares? Their last, Whatever. Their last raise w- valued them at eight billion. We'll we'll talk about why would they care, and I'm going to talk about why I actually think they're smart to go public now. Um, their last raise valued them at about eight billion, but I think they were worth twelve billion estimated at the end of like 2017. Um, but they raised money after that, and I think it reduced their valuation if I remember correctly. Either way. The estimates seem to be placing them closer to maybe thirty billion on going public now, um, which is a lot of money. I think they're smart to go public now because I think the more and more you look at Coinbase, the more you realize they're not necessary as much anymore because you can onboard in other ways, simpler ways like uh, Cash App or something, and you don't need them for trading. There's fantastic non-custodial solutions like Matcha, and there's other exchanges that have better options and still, you know, good liquidity and whatever. It's not to say Coinbase won't still play a role, but like they they put their fees back on taker order. Like they're not they're never really seeming to fight for their customer experience. You know, it's always it always feels like a taking relationship for Coinbase. And I th- I feel like them uh, going public when the general public doesn't know all the other options yet and they're just getting started back with the bull market or whatever, Coinbase will be able to pull a nice premium and uh, and they'll be able to maximize their stock price. So it's a cynical view, but it's the view that I think is uh, true. Yeah, I think it's it's a sunsetting move on the company for I think most people have moved on from Coinbase. Most insiders. I still think it'll probably end up being a you know, kind of like micro strategy, but different, you know, I want to invest in blockchain, but not buy Bitcoin directly. I only buy securities. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you find out freaking Berkshire Hathaway bought some, <laughs> you know, something like that. Investing in the picks and shovels. The um, people who've traded on all the exchanges know that Coinbase is amongst the worst experience. It has the most bugs, has the most problems, has, has the most downtime. continuous issues. <laughs> it has downtime despite four years of, or three years of bear market to figure their stuff out and literally as soon as there's volatility they go down every time so and i had this conversation with the exchanges at the uh the crypto i don't know what it was called mcc thing um magical crypto con yeah like is it difficult to scale up quickly when there's just like several multiples of people visiting your website sure but come on at some point it's just it's just embarrassing, you know, <laughs> like they shouldn't go down when the price goes up every single time, you know, like that. I could never trade there reliably. You just can't, you, you just can't. Yeah. So. so I think they're clever to go public when they are, because, you know, most people, that's how, that's what they look at is what that is. That is crypto. I mean, my dad sometimes has made the mistake of like, have you seen how Coinbase is doing? <laughs> it's like, dad, it's Bitcoin. not Coinbase. I'm just, I'll give my dad a hard time today. He's a good sport. Um, but you know, a lot of people, when you talk, start talking about crypto, they bust out their phone and pull their Coinbase app or, you know, it's like showing each other in the bar 2017 style. Um, now they don't do it at the bar. I guess nobody goes to the bar now. Um, but it's still from a namesake perspective, it's still where you buy crypto for your average person and it'll probably perform well for the IPO. So they, Doing it the day after Bitcoin breaks 20K is just so, it makes me so cynical. Like, 
everything they do is about them and their price and their profit. And like, they just, they just, it's like a, uh, evil corp situation for me. You know, it's like, I never feel like they're just on the, the cultural side of crypto people, you know? Yeah. And especially now that they're listing literally anything, anything and everything you and I could make a coin right now and get it listed by next week. That's what it feels like. <laughs> Only if we also got Andreessen Horowitz to invest in it, <laughs> then, yes. then a 16 Z would get it listed for us. Um, it's I, like, I know we sound very cynical, but you know what, Brian Armstrong and your PR people and whoever you, you make us. So it's, uh, it's kind of a bummer. So, and this isn't like a Sally come lately thing. This is stuff they've been doing for, for years. years. So, yeah. And it's like, wish them luck, wish them the best, you know, despite us dumping all over Coinbase just now, I actually used Coinbase to buy band, which is something we've been talking about. Should have used matcha for weeks. Uh, I had, I had to go from USD. I didn't, uh, I didn't actually know. You had to onboard, you onboarded Fiat to buy an altcoin. Yeah. I'll just say, I'll just say the amount, how far you've come. I'll say the (laughs) amount I purchased because I don't really care about it. So I, I didn't realize I could actually do this. I, I sent $3,000 USD directly to Coinbase. This is going to sound like an ad for them, but it's not. <laughs> um, instantly, I was able to buy a band. I, I had no idea. I, didn't, I didn't could have do that. To wait. I didn't have to wait because before, you have, you have to wait. Obviously, there's fees and all sorts of stuff. You do have to wait to pull it out 10 days after it clears or whatever it is. Um, but that made me bullish for alts listed on Coinbase because if retail does come back that's what a lot of people are going to end up doing they're going to charge their credit card or debit card or whatever yeah. instantly and just just ape into this <laughs> yeah surgeon right? surgeon gamer general asks a good question and he's asking what are some alternative uh exchanges i imagine it's <clears> mostly for onboarding so for onboarding i think one of the cheapest is probably cash app these days uh because they do let you withdraw your Bitcoin now. Like you can buy on Cash App and then send it somewhere else. Um, and you can send it to your own wallet if you have like a, a ledger or a Trezor or a cold card. Uh, you can manage custody of your Bitcoin in those ways. Um, and then if you're doing Ethereum, they also have those. But then you can trade. If you're in the Ethereum ecosystem, then you can trade on on, on Matcha and uh use WBTC for BTC exposure and buy any ERC-20 token through their platform. Um, And then other centralized exchanges, it really depends on your country, but some of the ones, if you're trading the majors, I would think uh, the reliable ones are going to be your Bitstamp, Kraken, Binance, uh, and they have different features depending on which ones. Another onboarding exchange or offboarding exchange would be Gemini, the Winkle V exchange. I wouldn't trade on Gemini, but you could like do your initial buys there. Um, am I missing any, Josh? Any decent ones? I don't think so. I mean, I just use Kraken for the most part for everything these days. Uh, Binance US is an option. Like if yeah. you want, if you want a UI that looks good and a trading system that is decent, Binance is always your go-to. Yeah, I mean, I would say like Binance US is an option. Uh, if I had the opportunity, if I wasn't American, I would use regular Binance for uh, just about all my altcoin trading because they have the most liquidity and the most pairs and all that um, for centralized exchange trading. For DeFi stuff, uh, obviously, I like Matcha because it uses all the pools wherever the pools exist. And you can trade stuff there before it ever hits a place like Binance, which is also often a selling event <laughs> for some of those smaller caps that get listed. Um, Baffleman mentions Dharma as well. It's another one that's like mobile only, I think. So that could be interesting. But yeah, there's a lot of places to trade. Um, I, FT, have I you used FTX say, US? Did you uh, that? I've, I've signed up for FTX US, but I haven't actually traded there because they don't yeah. really have a lot available. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and if you're looking for margin, there's really nowhere to trade with margin for an American unless it's on a DEX. Uh, or if it's on Kraken, I don't really don't, or CME, you can go direct to CME if you have enough, uh, an account there and can meet their contract limits and all that. Cause I think a single contract is five BTC. Yeah. The most questions I've had lately are where can I trade with leverage as an American? And 
does cloud work on low time frames? That's, <laughs> those are my two most frequently asked questions. You know what? We're going to have to have a uh, crypto for beginners episode again and uh, do some baseline stuff. But this is all this is all the type of things we talk about when the when the market is hot, uh, which it is right now. And how how could people not be excited when we're sitting here at twenty three k and it's not like a five minute you know end of end of run type of pump it's it's almost pedestrian uh so that said holy cow man we're far we're getting far away from these moving averages just the 20 day moving average which is gone from sideways back to near vertical is at like 19.5 um 200 day moving average is at 12.4 k so we're a 50 percent drop from the 200 day moving average. That's a long, that's a long way. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, all the concerns I've had or we've had about main reversion, like don't just disappear because we're higher now. Like yeah. for me, they're, they're very much ever present in the back of my mind, looking at the 20 uh, week moving average, looking at the daily key June, looking at the 200 day moving average, um, Another question I'm getting is like, should I buy now? I'm not an investment person. This is an investment advice, but something I tell people is what I'd be doing is I'd just be DCAing a little bit every week, every day, whatever, and then just buy the crap out of the dip when it, when it inevitably happens because that always it always happens. It's going to happen. Don't be surprised by it. Don't think it's not going to happen. I guarantee you it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and if my thesis of the dips being a little smaller is true, then maybe you start buying those dips at 15% and then more at 20% more at 25% and then wait. Um, and, or, or align it with these moving averages, you know, the 25 or 20 week moving averages at 14 K these types of scenarios though, what happened, I think what could happen is like what happened in 2019, right? We were far away from the moving average and then we made this giant pennant and the moving average caught up over the course of like 10 weeks uh, and then it made its decision off of that 20-week moving average. We could do the same thing at 20K in May. You know, like if we if we stop right now and we start consolidating on high time frames, we could just sit here and have made our high for the first quarter of the year and spend two months consolidating uh, before we move up again. Uh, that's, an, that's something we could do. If we do something like that, you could think of it as in that's bearish. This is the end of the cycle. I won't be doing that. I'll be saying we just consolidated right on top of our all-time high, and we're about to go bananas, and that gives us the fuel to go to like 40K or something. Um, so I don't know when it's going to stop, but at some point, whether it's a dip down and go right back up or we consolidate and wait for those moving averages to catch up, we will hit that 20-week moving average, and when we do, I'll buy it. That's the way I look at it. I think the most difficult thing for me trading this is to have that uh, it, like recognition that we're overbought and whatever main reversion is 50% yeah. down. We're overbought and at the and same we time, remain overbought. Right, that remain, remain overbought, but at the same time, like want to size up into a position at some point and uh, you know, hold it over multiple days. That's, you know, that was like the concern and any bubble right like <laughs> buying and holding is a concern on on margin in a bubble because you keep thinking to yourself you know, i don't want to be that guy who loses money on the bull run because i chopped was margin up. right i got chopped up i was margin long i opened too big of a position too late you know that sort of thing i long the top that's what's running through my head but in the narrative is like i don't uh i'm bullish i want this to go up but I'm just more comfortable, obviously, buying the dip with anybody else. But yeah, I, th- I think the other issue I have is like not using the lower time frames enough. I, I look at the, the high to time frames assist. too much, right? Like you can trade. I keep looking at this over and over again. Uh, this four hour, we had uh, both the BTC TK recross. Yeah, we had the we had the TK recross on the cloud. Uh, here we had. The bullish coma breakout here. We had plenty of evidence. We had on chart patterns. We had an Adam and Eve here. We had a flag here before this broke out on ETH. Uh, this whole thing is an ascending triangle. It's just ETH, but um, yeah, I just I need to be. It told you to go long. It did, and I just need to switch my mindset of like I'm gonna hold 
positions for less amount of time, but leverage up Tra- and trade on the four hour chart and trade on the, the four. Yeah. Cause yeah. on the daily, we could stay away from your key decision points for a long time. Right. Like I could, you're missing so much of the move waiting for that dip, obviously. Right. Like, <laughs> whereas this is all very tradable, you know, like right. I know people right now who are doing extremely well, uh, trading very low time frames. Trading trading low time frames. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Hey, so, so I want to wrap up talking about Bitcoin dominance. Uh I just threw a couple of lines on a weekly dominance chart. I like but, that. Yeah, so it's like this broadening wedgy thing. Mm-hmm. Um but also over the 20 week, 200 week moving average that we tapped into at 61. Uh if this breaks up over this trend line, I think that signals that like alts are dead for a while, <laughs> right? But we are at resistance on dominance, and I think we could see a retrace and some moves in altcoins, which would al- align with Bitcoin essentially going a little slower here and giving altcoins some time to breathe and, and do their thing. Um, that doesn't give me like some massive opinion, but... If we break up, I feel like we could go to like 75% dominance by Bitcoin, which would be huge. That coincides big time to me with Bitcoin just mooning to like 30K in January, you know? Well, somebody asked this earlier about LTC, USD and the strength there. And typically, LTC, like in 2017, LTC was a late mover. Um, 2018, sorry. Uh, if you look at the LTC, BTC pairs, um, Usually that's end cycle because people are rotating out of stuff they already made money in and looking for more somewhere else. Even SNX, you know, any of these altcoins that are mooning or, you know, even Ripple and Stellar was up 20% the other day. Yeah. So Those usually are all the dinosaur the, coins. <laughs> yeah. But like that historically has been like late cycle stuff. Um, so if like talking about dominance, I, I don't know. You know, do, dominance is just kind of non-tradable to me. I just use it as sort of like a market sentiment. Yeah, sort of it's thing. good. It's good to check out what's, you know, what could what we could be on the verge of. Um, what I'm personally saying is, you know, we talked about ETH going slower. Uh, you look at some other alts like Ave is a big one. Um, been consolidating, not making new highs, but obviously, if you look at this chart, historically extremely strong. You look at that setup that you talked about for band huge inverse head and shoulders potential sitting over the top of its 200 day moving average uh the way something like curve curled up now this is new age alts these are mostly like the big defi coins um snx just broke up today Uh, these signal to me like they want upwards volatility to chase bitcoin a little bit whether it lasts a week or a month or two days i don't know but they do look they do look thirsty for upside to me. Yeah, Algo is another one that looks pre breakout. Yeah, it looks like good. banned. Um, BNT had its move. Now, if you want to think about like what this could look like for these alts, just look at BNT. Uh, I pulled up the wrong ticker, I guess. BNT. Yeah, uh, BNT is Bancor, and they claim to have solved impermanent loss. <laughs> they, um, but if you look at like that edge to edge inverted head and shoulder thing and it also that pump came from a coinbase listing they coinbase they took a lot of flack from they had uma uma i don't know if how you pronounce it and compound listed which coinbase ventures had invested in and their direct competitors synthetics and ave were not listed so <laughs> surprise surprise so right after that uh they listed ave synthetics and b and t so related i think so <laughs> um so yeah um so i these alts look pretty good to me while bitcoin's sitting there at that r3 resistance just had two three thousand dollar days I see the world where Bitcoin sits here and goes sideways for a week and gives these altcoins room to, to do some do some damage. Um, at the same time as some of our early retail interest comes back in the game, Ethereum plays catch-up. 
it seems to me like alts have a week ahead of them to do well. Um, unless Bitcoin goes straight up to like 28K, you know, which I'm not seeing as likely, but, you know, anything's possible, I guess. What I'd like to see from alts here is a multi-month bearish di- or bullish divergence, multi-week, whatever, um, similar to almost identical to December 2019. You're just getting, you're getting all-time lows with a bullish divergence at the end of the year, alts do better in Q2. Like, I don't know, this is setting up to me as another sort of start opening your coffers for some alts here and uh, get ready to buy some oversold despair uh, stuff you wouldn't normally buy just to, to play the rotation your, game. Your Q1 rotation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Josh, you know, one thing that died this week is my 2020 prediction it lasted 11 and a half months and it was looking good uh but breaking through the all-time highs and trading above them for multiple days killed it because i guessed that if we went above i think i said 12k that i thought we could retest the all-time highs but i didn't think we would go above them um so that's dead my end of year prediction was 16k uh i guess that could be alive if we get hosed over the next two weeks but uh we outperformed my expectations for the year um i said that i thought we could maintain 5k on the downside which we did so calling 5k and 20k in the same year i felt stupid uh and then we did that in in a little more um yeah i remember that show i remember talking about that yeah first Um, first week of last year or of this year uh so people will have to look forward to the end of the year we'll make our predictions for 2021 yeah, one last last thing people are talking about in the chat now that we did haven't mentioned is this uh, Mnuchin FinCEN wallet regulatory stuff. Um, it's going to be bad, obviously, to uh, to have to KYC like your own individual stuff um, for most people, but it's not going to like destroy crypto at the end of the day. I think it's going to yeah. be. I heard that the proposal was not not so outside of what's kind of expected of you now that it was more of kind of a. Uh, I don't know, warning shot, something like that, whatever you want to call it. But I haven't read the details of exactly how to, what to take from this. We'll try to talk about that maybe a little next week. Um, I think the the Bitcoin maximalists are going to say, like, it's the end of the world situation. Like, this is horrible. We should fight this. And we should. It is bad. But it's not going to destroy crypto. Like, at the end of the day, it is unlawful search and seizure type stuff, I think, in my mind. But, yeah, something to consider. Uh, I don't know if it's going to move the needle for price, though, I think. We're just, we're in, well, and people was, are buying and they don't care, you know? And it was talked about for weeks. So I feel yeah. like if anything, we priced it in. Um, <laughs> all right, man. I think that's all I got. I, uh, yeah. I'm excited about this market. I, I mean, we're running hot. That That's what Bitcoin does when, when it goes, it goes. So, yeah, I mean, we did what I didn't think we could do, which was make higher highs into all time high. But the news, the news deluge, is that a term? The typhoon? Deluge. deluge. The news typhoon of people in suits buying just was unsurmountable for the bears, I guess. Pretty much. Uh, you know, and we look at this on the Forever BLX, it looks like Moon City. <laughs> Stock to flow looks like it wants to be proven right. Uh a part of me wants to be really, really wealthy, and a part of me wants stock to flow to fail. <laughs> These are in <laughs> conflict. You, you can be both people. That's okay. <laughs> I also looked at stock to flow this week just as a curiosity to see where it was. Are we are we catching um, back up? Because we were a little under it, right? Yeah, we are. We were we were under it. Still are under it, but we are catching back up for sure. Yeah. So, will we hit six figure Bitcoin in twenty twenty one? You'll have to tune in for our Christmas episode. We'll make our predictions, but. Uh, yeah, we'll be here for the after show for a second. Thanks everybody for joining us on the episode today. You can subscribe on iTunes to check it out. Um, it's our pleasure to have you here. If you want to join us on the streams, you can do so on twitch.tv slash ledger status. And if you love the show, rate us on iTunes, give us a review. We appreciate those very much because they help other people find the podcast. We need these new people to find the podcast. So, uh, give us a review on iTunes. Talk to you next time. Trade on matcha. Letterstatus.com slash matcha. <laughs>